Welcome to the Anyona Podcast. On this show, we cover everything you need to know from early childhood development and education to parenting tips and much more. Now over to our hosts, Tracy and Zoe. Welcome to another episode of the Adiona Family and Early Childhood Journey podcast. Today I'd like to start by doing an acknowledgement of country. Even though Zoe and I are meeting virtually, we are still meeting and as such we'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands. So I'd like to acknowledge that this meeting is being held on the traditional lands of the Turrbal and Yogara people and pay my respects to elders both past, present and future. So today we are talking about our curriculum at Adiona and across many early childhood services and letting you know what we are, I guess, doing all day when you're at work or at home and we've got your little ones. Today we're going to be talking specifically about the kindergarten program. We find that that's a room that we probably get a lot of questions about um, in terms of what we're doing and questions about school readiness. People are starting to think about what their child needs to learn for the, you know, starting school. Um, So Zoe, having worked in a school, and she has a particular passion for the kindergarten age group, so I'll hand over to you to get started. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for that. Yeah, especially this time of year, we get lots of questions around what's happening in kindergarten and also leading into kindergarten for next year for people making decisions about that. Most of our centres have information nights, so we thought this would be a bit of a bolster for that information as we go along. So um, I guess... I thought I'd start by just talking about what kindergarten is and a little bit about my background as well and why uh, I have a particular passion for it. As Tracy mentioned, I have worked as a kindergarten teacher for a number of years um, and prior to that I worked for Education Queensland across various year levels starting with way back in preschool through to prep uh, and then through to all different age groups. But um, I guess when I started with preschool, that was effectively the same age as what kindergarten is now because uh, Queensland government changed all the ages of starting school and stuff. So, yeah, so I have been doing it for a very long time and have a particular passion for it. Um, I love the kindergarten age group and currently in Queensland, the kindergarten age group is the year leading up to when children attend school. So typically they turn five in that final year before they go to school. So I guess what happens in kindergarten, which uh, is what is part of my love for kindergarten, is that by the time they get to that age, they have really developed who they are as a person. So their little identities are quite strong and they're ready to then fill their knowledge with the rest of the world. So they start to look external to themselves and try to figure that out, which is all very, very exciting. And so what we really want to do in kindergarten is encourage that excitement um, and interest of the rest of the world uh, and also support that. So their social understanding really starts to develop in that age group. Um, Like I said, they start to look at the rest of the world. They look at their peers And we start to see a lot of that understanding of democracy come into their their play and their life. So understandings of fairness, of respect for others, of sharing a space all really starts to take full flight in kindergarten. Um, And our curriculum and the Queensland Kindergarten Guidelines are really based on 
that understanding. Um, Tracy, I think you were going to talk a little bit about the Queensland Kindergarten Guidelines. Yeah, sure. So I've actually got here, so the Queensland Kindergarten Learning Guidelines um, is the curriculum set by the Department of Education in Queensland. Um, Each state has something quite similar and it links with our early years learning framework, which is the curriculum that is used for our younger years. Um, But Queensland has its own specific kindergarten one. Um, and a lot of parents, I think, would assume that in that document there would be benchmarks for what prep teachers are looking for in terms of can they recognise colours, can they write their name, things like that, where it's actually completely the opposite. What they're looking for is learning dispositions and learning, um, I guess, and social competence because they're going to need to have those things to be successful in school. So the teacher's job in prep, that's their job to teach them how to write their name and number recognition and colours. That's what school is for. What the kindergarten year is for is to build those dispositions. And I'll quickly just go through them. So the learning areas, there's five key learning areas that has been identified. There's identity, connectedness, well-being, active learning and communication. And so identity, it's building a sense of security and trust. And that's sort of what our whole program is based on from birth is building those attachments and understanding that children cannot thrive without having that basic relationship, based care where they trust and they feel safe where they are. Acting with independence and perseverance. So, you know, it's not, it's about being able to do things, not necessarily on their own, but being able to attempt things and give things a go and keep trying and then knowing when to ask for help and when it's appropriate. And then us as educators guiding them, being able to give minimal help to then give them the confidence to keep going themselves Um, and building a confident self-identity. It's knowing who they are, what they want and being, you know, identified, Awareness of their own culture and their own strengths and achievements. Um, Connectedness, it's building positive relationships. That's not just with educators, that's with their peers. It's really important. You need to be able to make friends. Showing respect for diversity um, and showing respect for environments. So that's all, you know, we want them to be able to go into the school and not, you know, write on the walls, (laughs) It's like that. Yeah. They need to understand that it's a shared space. A sense of autonomy, exploring ways to be healthy and safe and exploring ways to promote physical well-being. So that's all under the well-being. And once again, these are all really strong values that we promote from birth and it relates back to what we were talking about in our previous podcasts about emotional health and also about even toilet learning. You know, we're teaching them to care for themselves and recognise what their own body needs. Building posi- So active learning is about building positive dispositions towards learning. It's not about being able to count or write your name. It's about showing curiosity and enthusiasm. Um, and like Zoe referred to before, that's the best thing about kindergarten. They're all so excited to learn anything and everything. <laughs> uh, problem solving, a really, really big one. The ability to think outside the box, investigating, being able to reflect on their learning, uh, being imaginative and creative, showing confidence and involvement in learning and using technologies for learning and communication. So technologies doesn't just refer to things that we refer to as technology like computers and that. It's a wide range of mediums and tools that they use to enhance their learning. 
um, and communication is exploring and expanding language. So that is, you know, signing, listening and responding, not just talking, (laughs) Um, exploring literacy in personal, meaningful ways. So once again, that doesn't mean they're writing, but I guess you're being exposed to text, being read to, having the opportunity to look through books, look through magazines, look at pictures. Some children will be doing pre-writing things. Some children will know how to write their names and it's up to our very skilled kindergarten teachers to be able to meet everybody where they're at. Um, and exploring numeracy in personally meaningful ways. Um, and that's just things like measuring cups, counting, sorting, things that children do naturally throughout their play. So that's basically what the curriculum says they should be learning in our kindergarten year. Um, and that's certainly what we work to and promote. Yes. And as you were just saying, a lot of those things just start to emerge naturally Absolutely. in that age group. Their curiosity just leads them down that direction. But All those things are key elements of what we would expect for any kind of citizenship in our society. So it's really building them up to be – I always say that um, kindergarten is raising adults. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And as, you know, someone who employs people, I certainly would look for all of those characteristics in someone that I was employing. So you can really see how those fundamental things that happen in early childhood translate to adulthood. And as I said, most evidence suggests that our personalities are fairly set by the time we're about three or four. So that's leading into kindergarten. And then we're just ready to add some interesting parts to our personalities (laughs) from there on in. (laughs) And I guess how we get to all of that at Adiona, how do we achieve all of those bits is that we believe very passionately in age-appropriate learning, which in this age group is definitely based on inquiry-based learning and play-based learning. So sometimes we refer to them kind of interchangeably, but what happens in kindergarten a little bit more, I guess, than a straight play-based is we do have a little bit more of intentional teaching that pops in. Um, And as Tracy said, that's up to our very skilled kindergarten teachers to notice when there's moments that they can scaffold learning. So when a child is on the, I guess, the precipice of learning something new or understanding something at a different level, that's when a skilled teacher steps in and, and just gives enough information for the child to extend on where, where they're at. We certainly don't do uh, direct instruction in kindergarten. Could you maybe give a little bit of an example of a situation of what scaffolding might look like in the room? Yeah, so I guess going back to what we were just discussing before about um, children and early literacy. So we, our teachers, what they look for is when children start um, mark making. So that's the very first indicators that they're becoming a, a text explorer. Um, and so that quite often starts to escalate a little bit in kindergarten. So if a teacher sees a child who is taking the next steps in um, mark making, so using instruments to make marks on pages, they or on in the environment in general, sometimes they do it in sand, they might extend on that by introducing some symbols that they could reproduce or introducing some 
things within the environment that would encourage a child to explore that mouth making in a different way. So it might be that, and we certainly wouldn't do um, just around letters. It would be thinking about what mark making means in a bigger sense. So uh, it might be including some provocation for drawing in that space. It may be provocation for, as I said, symbols. Uh, it may be letters. Um, and that we have so much text in our environment that that's a really easy thing to put into place and children will who are ready for that will start to see that and replicate some of those things and it doesn't have to be a perfect representation that's not what we're looking for in kindergarten mm. we're looking for the interest in the engagement yes as a mother who has my my little one is kindergarten age at the moment and my house is currently full of signs blue tacked up around my house with um, <laughs> and yes I have to get him to interpret what they mean for me um, <laughs> but we have a sign saying put DVD here at the moment and a sign on the door saying come in and <laughs> all sorts of things yeah on. Um, and while none of it looks like what we would consider writing to him it's meaningful um, and it has its place and he's you know very yeah. excited and, by it. and definitely and children in kindergarten really start to understand that power of communication at, in written communication as well and that's that's what is emerging and exactly what you're talking about there Tracy yeah it's all very exciting I fear for my walls but apart from that it's all good <laughs> And so I guess um, going back to the fact that I used to work for Education Queensland, one of the jobs that I did have was I worked with grade two children and way back when I was doing it, um, we used to have this thing called the Year Two Net, which was designed to catch children who were falling behind their cohort and my job was to catch them up. So what I, after doing that for a couple of years, what I overwhelmingly found was, was it wasn't that the children uh, were struggling to learn. It was that they were actually disengaged from learning. And so I always stress to families and to the ECTs that I work with, sorry, the early childhood teachers that I work with, that we want to avoid children disengaging from learning in kindergarten. We want to set them up with this really great learner identity that they are capable competent and confident when they head into school mm-hmm. and so to do that um, we do inquiry-based learning as I mentioned before which is a version of play-based learning and inquiry-based learning is going off ideas of the children. Sometimes people will talk about interests of children but if you actually look through the uh, Queensland Kindergarten Guideline it speaks more predominantly about ideas rather than interests. Uh, And I think that's because ideas are a bigger concept than interests. So, yeah, so inquiry-based learning is going off that. And uh, a lot of our time is spent as um, teachers in that space is discovering what it is the the children's ideas are, which can be quite huge or quite small, but either are are as important as each other. And the beautiful thing about that concept too is that it really empowers children because they are the expert. They know their ideas. They know what they're trying to achieve. It's not somebody saying you have to do it like this or you have to learn like this or this is the way we do it. You know, they're either coming in if it is an interest, generally as an expert, you know, there's children out there that will know more about dinosaurs than I would ever hope to know and they are the experts and they teach me. Or coming in with an idea, I want to make a waterfall in the playground. Mm -hmm. Well, how are we going to do that? So they're the expert and they're leading it. And that's such an empowering and it teaches them, I can problem solve. I can think this way. I can, you explore a whole range of different dispositions and try to solve that one problem. 
Yeah. And within that, you know, we can really encourage that divergent thinking as well, which, you know, all the research shows that that's the way of the future for um, the children of today to be the workers of tomorrow, as people say. They really do need to have those divergent thinking skills because we don't actually know what uh, careers are going to be available in you know, 20 years time. I mean, when my son was in preschool many, many years ago, he's now 25. And, you know, I could not have imagined that his job would be being an online gamer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) who knew that would be? (laughs) Right. It's just, and, you know, especially in the changing world that we're in at the moment, um, people are going to have to be able to think more and more divergently. And it's really hard as an adult to go backwards and recreate those skills in yourself. So we want to try, yeah, we want to try and encourage and embrace it so that it does become part of their learning identity now. Yeah. And so I was going to hand over to you, Tracy, just to talk a little bit about um, the importance of play as well in kindergarten, because a lot of the times we get questions about how structured kindergarten is. Uh, And as much as we do want an element of structure, we prefer not to call it structure, but our ritual or our flow of the day. And then within that, the children are given opportunities to practice their skills in play. Absolutely. So, you know, and we may yet do another whole podcast on play as a separate issue across all the ages. But I guess a really great resource when it comes to play is a gentleman, Peter Gray. He's from the US and he has multiple degrees in psychology and anthropology and development. And he has devoted a lot of his time and energy into looking at play and play-based learning. Um, He has a book out called Free to Learn, where he advocates for more play-based or inquiry-based learning and is very negative, I guess, about the current school structures (laughs) that we have in place in the westernised world. So anyway, his definition of play, and I guess this is maybe where some programs out there will say that they're a play-based or service or have a play-based curriculum. But when you look at what they're doing, it's not really play. It's structured activities that may be presented in a more fun way. So when we look at what play is, play has to sort of meet the following five criteria. So it has to be self-chosen and self-directed. It's an activity in which the means are more valued than the ends. So the process is more important than the result. Play has a structure or rules which are not dictated by physical necessity but emanate from the minds of the players. Play is imaginative, non-literal, mentally removed in some way from real or serious life. And play involves an active, alert but non-stressed frame of mind. So when we're looking at those things, what we can see is that, you know, play is self-chosen and self-directed. So if I get a bunch of children and say, let's come over here and let's play snakes and ladders and they don't want to, but it's rotations and that's what we're going to do, then that's not, while it might be play because it's a game, it's 
it's and I'm using air quotes here sorry <laughs> um, you <laughs> it's not self-chosen and it's not self-directed because there's already a set of rules that are in place and I have told them that they will be doing that whereas when they come up with their own game and they devise their own rules it's that system the skills that are being developed in and I won't go through it point by point I'll save that for when we do the play podcast but I guess when children come together to play or even if they're playing on their own there's a set of rules in that child's head that they have come up with. There's limits to their world, even though they may not be the same limits that exist in our <laughs> actual physical <laughs> world. Um, and then in kindergarten, because they are playing more socially, there's things that have to be negotiated. Well, how come you can fly and I can't? Or what are we going to do about this? There's problems to be overcome. There's compromise. There's talking out issues. There's the understanding that, well, if we all can't agree that this game isn't going to work, so then what happens then? Um, and there's certainly, would you agree, so that around the kindergarten age two is probably where it's the start of where peers will have more of an impression on their social development than what parents and educators do? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's probably also important to point out that in that age group too, um, there's a lot of hormonal changes going on for those children as well. So I think that is what drives that peer interaction a lot more than uh, an influence rather than parent influence. That's right. I think it's a lot more striking or a lot more impressionable for a child who if they're going to continuously break the established rules of the game that they that the other children then go well if you can't follow the rules we're, we're not going to play with you then an adult coming in and intervening and trying to so obviously we would support and try and help those children work out those issues but if it gets to the point that, that child has to learn that lesson that way, that if they don't compromise, will the result. And there'll be some children who will be happy to go, well, that's fine. I'm just going to play my game my way over here. And that's great. That's another great disposition for that child to have. And that's part of their personality. Um, but for other children who want to be included, they learn the concept that they do have to compromise every now and again. Yeah. Lots um, of social justice. <laughs> lots of social justice. That's right. I guess probably the other thing that I'd like to touch on in regards to play is that it is established fact um, that children also learn through, go through different stages of schemas or development. By embracing inquiry-based learning, we can work with, uh, so sorry, a schema is an urge that a child has and a way of exploring the world. So, you know, they're things like connecting, enveloping, positioning. So that's when you walk in and you find your child have, you know, somehow wedged themselves underneath the couch. That's all about a positioning or an enveloping schema. It's an urge they have and there's no quite any reason why, but they have to explore that. So if we can work with schemas in children's play, then that's going to be more beneficial. They're going to learn more. They're going to do all of those things that their brain needs to do to fully develop as opposed to fighting against it in order to get them to sit down and write on a worksheet or play a game of Scrabble or whatever we're trying to thinking that we're trying to achieve. If we can work with the schemas and the play that they're doing with that, then they're going to get so much more out of it long term. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I guess going back to Peter Gray and his yeah. wonderful thoughts, um, you know, he does do a lot of information around evolutionary learning. Yes. And so, yeah. So the reality is, is that we have learnt for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> To learn, we've learned to learn through play, uh, and children are designed basically to be play agents and to learn that way. And another wonderful person who speaks a lot around the schooling system in particular, but it definitely relates to early childhood, um, is Sir Ken Robinson. And I guess when we talk about structured learning in those in younger years, we are seeing that whole idea of the school system coming down to the younger years. And the school system was put in place, you know, during the Industrial Revolution, and it was designed to support the working system more than anything. And so schools are trying to change that as well. And I know that there are a lot of schools who are pushing more towards a play-based curriculum in their uh, their space as well, which is great. Back when I did work for Education Queensland, there was a pushback then for it as well. So hopefully it will have a bit of a revision um, in the upcoming years. Absolutely. You know, I think that, you know, uh, an educational model that quite a few countries or or has been proven to have a great outcome is the Scandinavian model. And I think that they don't start formal learning until the age of seven or eight. So while they might be going to school and kindergarten programs before then, everything that's done there is a play-based program. Um, And then they don't actually start sitting down at desks and writing and doing all of that sort of stuff, Um, more formal schooling until much later than what we do because we have children that start prep that are four or in our programs that are four and, you know, it's a lot to ask of a child who is still developing some of the that sense of being to then be taking on this academic load. Yeah, definitely. And just going back to that whole idea of the fact that at Adiona our curriculum throughout every room, yes. every age group is very uh, based on – Um, that emotional capacity and building relationships uh, with other people. We just reflected recently at our Cooperu staff meeting about the fact that this year the cohort in our kindergarten room have made their way through um, our educaring perspective since they were babies. And they, this year, um, for the first time, we're really noticing that they are amazing play agents. They, um, their capacity to problem solve, um, all that social learning themselves is phenomenal. And we, we have really had to kind of just step back this year and go, okay, kind of reassess um, what our role is as educators in the kindergarten room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, uh, to to make sure we're still moving forward in our practice. And because we don't have to deal with so much of the emotional learning, uh, it's, me- it's meant that we can look at some other really interesting things like project-based learning and really grab hold of that this year, which is lovely. Yeah. And I think that's probably something else I'd just like to shout out at this point is that our educators and and educators working in the early years up to year three, you know, are very special people. To be able to put together a program that is inquiry-based is way more difficult than what it is to sit down and have a very structured program. Yes, for us, 
it is easier in the fact that we, because we're catering to children's needs, we don't see necessarily those behavioural issues that you might do if you're trying to force a four-year-old boy to sit down and write and things like that. But it takes a skill to be able to lead from behind almost, <laughs> um, I guess, yeah. is a way of looking at it. And, you know, to really, it's not just about what the teachers do. It's in everything, you know, from the resources they're putting out in the environment, the way they set up the environment, the, you know, there's thought in every detail, every sign, every poster, every little thing that is out in that that has been meticulously thought about and reflected on by the educators um, and then changed as the children's needs and interests change. So I think that while we're obviously very strong advocates for the (laughs) educators of the early years, I think there has to be a lot of credit given to our staff and it does get that little bit more difficult or that level, it levels up, I guess, in the kindergarten year to be able to ensure that children are moving forward but doing it in a way that they're enjoying and developing all those other dispositions that we've talked about. Yeah. And as a kindy teacher, you need to wear many hats. <laughs> you have to be willing to be, uh, you know, digging a trench for a dinosaur fort in one second um, and <laughs> extending on that learning in there and then jumping over to teaching an art, you know, scaffolding a art lesson if you need to, to extend on that or you know, setting up the equipment for an art lesson. So you have to have uh, a wide knowledge. So, yeah. Yeah. So is there anything else that you'd like to say about kindergarten? I mean, I did touch on it briefly before um, because a lot of the, one of the other big questions we always get uh, from our kindergarten parents is around school readiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we have overwhelmingly said, school readiness for us is really just about the child being confident in themselves ready to take on that next step. We don't expect them to have some sort of amazing academic skills. Um, the prep teachers, also highly skilled professionals yes, who, <laughs> who are more than capable of um, dealing with a range of children in that respect. But um, having come from that side, receiving children from early childhood programs, what you really want is someone who can look after themselves, look after their belongings and be very confident in who they are and excited and eager to learn. Yeah, and able to make friends and make those social connections yeah. and um, and things like that because that's what's going to serve them throughout their schooling years. Maybe now would be a good point just to, to also to touch on the fact that yeah, all early all kindergarten teachers are required to do transition statements at the end of the year. Um, and so that's basically where your kindergarten, your early childhood teacher, you know, writing to those um, curriculum learning areas that I spoke about before will write about where your child, I don't want to say fits, but I guess what skills they've acquired, what they excel at. And I guess, sorry, going back to the play-based curriculum, is that's another great thing is that your child learns what their strengths are. They, they know what they're good at and what they're passionate about and where their, their loves are. And we all know that if we love something and we enjoy something, we're going to excel at it uh, much more than something we find more difficult. We get into our flow with it. So that's another great benefit of play-based learning. But uh, yeah, and so all that information, child strengths, all of that goes into that tra- transition statement, which is then given with your permission to the prep teacher. 
for next year so that they are starting with some knowledge about where your child is at with all of that too. So um, that's always done in consultation. You'll have an opportunity to comment on those statements as they get passed on as well. Fabulous. All right. So that's our podcast, I guess, about the kindergarten year. We will do one about play, I think, very soon because it's a fascinating subject that we could probably spend three hours talking about. It might be a two-parter. But I just hope that you come away from listening tonight or today feeling really reassured that, that a more structured program Yes, there has to be routines and yes, there has to be expectations on children, but a play-based learning is always going to be the most most holistic way of seeing your child develop. Okay, so thanks <laughs> for listening tonight, today and we'll speak to you next time. Bye. That's it for this episode of the Adiona Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more fascinating insights into the early childhood development process and don't forget to rate and review the show so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode of the Adiona Podcast.